Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang. Each episode, I sit down with an inspiring person from the magic community. We hang out on their kitchen table to talk about Magic the Gathering as they share stories from the journey of their lives. This is episode four. In this episode, I'm talking to Wedge from the Mana Source. He's a popular YouTuber in the magic community. Wedge tells us about how he got started playing magic and what it was like in the early days of his YouTube channel. Wedge also shares with us what it means to create and share his videos with the world. Recently, Wedge raised an astounding $41,000 for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. We're very lucky to have someone like Wedge represent us in the magic community. We talk about a lot of hilarious things, and I certainly had a great time talking to him. Please enjoy this episode of Kitchen Table Magic. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today on Kitchen Table Magic. I'm so excited to be here with Wedge from the Manasaurus. Wedge, how are you doing? I'm great, I'm great. How are you? This is very exciting. Wedge, I'd love to do a little sound check question for you. I'm already game. I'm very excited. Let's do this. What was it like shaving your head for charity? Oh God. Um. So when it was happening, it was awful. Uh, <laughs> or I, I should say it, it felt weird uh-huh. because I had never just shaved my head before. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a common occurrence for me. So it was. It felt weird when it was happening. Mm-hmm. After it was over, I had to go because it was a really rough shave because it was on stream. So after it was over, I had to use a more precise raised like a like a electric shaver to shave everything even. Uh-huh. And that felt it felt like it was just like it was vibrating my whole head, which was a peculiar feeling. That is crazy. Okay, so you had to do like two passes. Yeah, yeah. I had to do the initial pass because my, my hair is like really, really ornery and thick. So it, it was a little difficult to get, you know, when it was really long, it was difficult to get it off. But once it was, you know, down lower, it was it was easier. But God, I felt weird. <sighs> Thinking about it now, it's one of those like cringe moments. But, like nails down a chalkboard. <sighs> oh, so you had, you had like a cringe moment. I guess it's because I've never felt it before. Just having like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but having like a shaver on the back towards the top of my head is not something that I've ever felt or ever thought I would ever feel. So it was just super weird just on like the dome. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, I cringe. I, I think I'm okay now because I've, I've had to shave it again uh, once due to a request from another content creator who like forced me to do it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But now it's, it's actually kind of convenient because without hair, when I wake up, I don't, I, I don't feel as good gross in the morning uh-huh because my hair's not you know all greasy and whatnot so it's it's actually not so bad i don't know okay yeah yeah who was that other person was it the professor oh yeah ah the he's, professor he's, he's the worst enabler known to man that's too funny it's important everyone knows that <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's he always gets called into the office for having unorthodox teaching techniques well, Wedge, thank you so much for joining us today. I just wanted to sit down and talk to you with you about your life, your journey, magic, and that kind of uh, everything that you do. Let's start from the beginning. Where did you grow up and when did you start playing magic? So I grew up in a super tiny, ridiculously small town in upstate New York. And by upstate New York, I don't mean like a mile above New York City for the rest of the country. I mean actual upstate New York, like closer to Canada. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, every time someone says upstate New York, they're like, oh, so Westchester. I'm like, oh, God, because that's the county right above New York City. Uh huh. And I'm like, no, uh, we're a little salty about that over here. <laughs> but anyway, small town. There's like less than 2000 people in my town. I mean, like really tiny. Uh, I started playing when Urza's block was stand like when that just came out. I was like 10 years old. But the first pack I ever got was when I was seven by accident. My dad bought me a pack of magic instead of a pack of Pokemon cards that I wanted. 
So I had a pack of alliances for like three years before I started playing. And then so you like crack this up. You're like, what is this? This is not. Yeah, I had no idea what I was looking at. <laughs> and then I just put it to the side and then came back years later. And because at the time I was a little kid, I just threw everything on like my desk. Three years later, I went back to just clearing out all my stuff on my desk and bam, that alliances pack was still there. Wow. With Balduvian Horde, the first rare I ever opened. That's really cool that you remember your first rare. It was Balduvian Horde. Yeah. That is awesome. Yep. I also started playing Magic in Urza's block. My first pack was Urza Saga, and my first rare was Sarah Sanctum. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That is a great way to start magic. But I had no idea how to play. I like I didn't know I was I was cat sitting for a lady and she did some packaging for like Wizards of the Coast and she just had some samples. She was like, here's your 20 bucks, here's your Urza saga pack. And I went <laughs> home and I was like, what the heck is this? So I cracked it open and I was like, ooh, this is all so cool. And I didn't know how any of this stuff worked. And I was just like, cool, magic card, sweet. One day I was in like band class and there were some kids in like the corner and they were playing and I was like, dude, I have some of those and they taught me how to play, and here I am. <laughs> Man, Urza Block was like a really weird time to start playing Magic. Uh huh. Like if you got in during Urza Block and eventually like either got into you know Type One or Type Two at the time, so like Vintage or Standard, you were spoiled, right? Because everything was so strong. Yeah. Like everything was so powerful. It was like the first big push towards really stupid things that Wizards ever did. Right. I always found it funny that I came in during that because now when they do something really broken, like when Jason the Mind Sculptor was released or like, you know, Siege Rhino even, people get all up in arms about that. And I'm like laughing because I still compare it to, you know, Tolarian Academy. And yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, you kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like Tolarian Academy and like Gay's Cradle, like that's the nuts right there. Yeah, it, it definitely desensitized me to the like what the word broken means, you know? Yep, back in the day when damage used to go on the stack. Oh, dude, don't even remind. <sighs> I actually liked that. Like, oh, really? Well, it, it's because I grew up with it. So I became accustomed to it. So, you know, Mock Fanatic? Uh-huh. I love that card. I love it too. That was so broken. Yes. Like, Mock Fanatic was amazing. You stack damage and then sack it? That's crazy. Yeah. Absolute monster. But then because of the change, Mock Fanatic is not even like 90% as good. No, not at all. It's like, and same with Morphling. Like, Morphling's not good at oh all. Oh my god. Morphling was the, the, the first competitive deck I ever built uh, was uh, Illusions of Grandeur Donate combo. Uh-huh. Which, for those who don't know, Illusions of Grandeur isn't like, it's an enchantment when it comes into play, you gain 20 life. And when it leaves play, you lose 20 life, but it has cumulative upkeep. Uh-huh. So it gets increasingly more expensive, and then eventually you'll probably kill yourself. That's right. But then Donate came out in Urza's Destiny, which let you give a permanent to an opponent. So the whole deck was you play Illusions, gain 20 life, give Donate to your opponent, then they kill themselves with cumulative upkeep. And the whole rest of the deck was just a control deck, and Morphling was the, like, Superman. Morphling was Superman. It was the original Superman creature. It did everything. If you want an example of power creep, look back at Morphling being the best creature ever and then compare it to like what the best creatures are now. Oh, yeah. Do you remember back in the day when they uh, when they used to main board like disenchant? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So the, the way deck construction worked, at least when I was playing, because my, my store when I was growing up only played vintage, only play type one. Uh-huh. Uh, so I grew up for the first like seven years of my life playing magic, just playing vintage. Uh-huh. Wow. When we built decks. If you had more, now remember, 60 card decks. If you had more than like 16 or 17 lands in your deck, 
like you were flooding. Yeah. Like that was the idea is that you just, you didn't run that much land back then. So yeah, like people would mainboard sideboard stuff nowadays. They would mainboard it back then all the time. Yeah, I just remember getting back into Magic around like Rise of the Eldrazi block, and everyone's like, yeah, we're going to make a deck. And I was like, okay, so I've got 20 lands, and I've got 40 spells. And now that's like ludicrous. That's like ludicrous even for like a burn deck. Yeah, no one does that. Because I I took a break uh, when Kamigawa came out for like a few blocks. Even then, you know, you could still run decks with fewer lands than like 25, right? 24. Uh Uh-huh. And then I came back and that was just the standard now. And I'm like, you're going to have land all the time. And I just, in my head, I'll never get away from this idea that when I make a deck and it has 25 lands in it, I'm like, this seems absurd. Yeah. It just does. It just seems absurd. Yeah. There's some control decks that play like 26, 27. And I like, yeah, I like don't know what to do with myself. I'm like, this just feels wrong. And like, I'll play it and it'll obviously make sense when I play it, but I don't understand why. I'm like, why is this okay now? But Back then, it just wasn't okay. Like, there's just this, there's this fundamental part of magic that I don't understand. Do you think it has to do with theory? Or do you think it has to do with just like the way the sets are done? And like you said earlier, power creep, just the way creatures are prioritized, the way spells are prioritized. If you don't count fetch lands, in general, older lands are more powerful than newer lands. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just the lands were better. It could be that the converted mana costs of powerful spells were lower because they hadn't figured out how to stop making broken blue spells (laughs) or broken red spells, I guess, technically too. Yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe it was just, maybe because it was just simpler and your deck could function with so much less because now, you know, you look at Siege Rhino again, I I love using that as an example of like modern day, like stupid card. Right. It's, It's one of anything, but then it's three different colors. Like, when that happened back in Invasion, when they did the three color things, they, that was the first time they did that since Legends. That's right. So it was the first like big, like the first time like the big group of Magic players saw that. Yeah. And uh, I remember that. And the initial reaction was like, this is so many colors. Who's going to play this card? Yeah. That was like right when they were spoiled. And it was uh-huh. it was really, really funny. So maybe maybe the cards were just easier to cast. It was just, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's clearly something fundamental that I just don't get. But wasn't uh, Apocalypse, Invasion, like, Plane Shift, like, wasn't that the time when, like, Caves of Koilos and, like, Land yeah. of War Ways and Shivan Reef and Yavimaya Coast, like, that's when they, in Battlefield 4, that's when those lands drop. Uh, well, the first iteration of Pain Lands were Ice Age. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, it was, yeah, it was Apocalypse. Those were allied, right? Yes. And yeah, yeah. Apocalypse was the, uh, it was the enemy color. Yep, Apocalypse was the enemy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's when they dropped. Yeah, that, that was definitely huge. Do you remember that cycle when they did dual colored creatures and they would be like zombie merfolk and then it would be like blue black, but then it would have like pro green because like the enemy. Oh my, yes, yes. Um, Do you remember that? Yes, I can't remember the names of them. But yes, I remember that was that was just one of a bunch of cycles they had in that block that, that were themed around these, I guess what we would call them now, shards or yeah. no, not wedges, wedges, wedges yeah. And I just remember seeing that mechanic and, uh, you know, back in the day, there weren't like spoilers as we have today. And so I would see one of those. They'd be like, whoa, this is sick. Oh, my gosh, there's a blue green one. Oh, my gosh, there's a red blue one. Oh, my God, there's a white black one. <laughs> and it would just like go on and on and on. And, you know, there's like basically like 10 to 20 of them, right? Because you've got your all your combinations. There, there are a lot. Yeah. And the funny thing was like, I, I think I went to like China that summer on like some like internship vacation thing. And I was like, 
wandering around China being like, I really want to play some magic. And for some reason, I had my deck on me. Like, I don't even understand why I had like standard constructed on me. I like somehow like map quested on the internet and then like wandered into this like card store in China. And it was insane because like everyone looked at me. It was like that Western (laughs) when someone smashes through the bar and everyone stops, looks up and looks at me. And they all saw me. And I kind of spoke some broken Chinese, but like I sit down and there's like a pickup game and we start playing. And then I, somehow there was like a stalled board state and this guy casts one of those creatures that we were talking about that was like two colors and then like, and just like stomped me, just like yeah. two damage. It was like a two, two, just like two damage me to death. And I was just like, oh man. They, they had a lot of them They had the, let's see, they, they had the apprentice cycle. They had like two different color combination abilities. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. On their card, and then they had the uh, familiars, which made the spells cost less. Like one of them would be blue, for instance, and then white and black spells would cost like one less or something. Right. And that that was no, that was so cool in that format. I think it was they. I think that's when like wizards was like trying to like beta test Ravnica and like trying <laughs> the to first think. iteration. Yeah, and then they were like, okay, people kind of like this stuff. Like we can do it. Like. Honestly, like if you look at it, Invasion is totally primal Ravnica. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's complete and utter chaos for the entire block. Yep. Or if like anyone knows anything about the story, like it like it is the war. It is the end of the first big storyline. That's right. Right? Like it is just utter destruction the whole time. Yeah. There's so much less civilization and order in Invasion Block than in Ravnica. It's almost like it's the antithesis of Ravnica. Right, right. It's just it's just chaos, but it's great. And like, spoiler alert, the Phyrexians win, right? Uh, so, okay. It's a little complicated. Uh-huh. Dominaria still exists as its own plane, but we haven't been there since Teferi gave up his spark for the mending. Uh-huh. So like, I don't know what Dominaria is doing right now. I don't know where it is. I don't know its status whatsoever. Yeah. Except that we know that it's basically in complete ruin, but it is its own plane. That's right. Like, yeah. It's it's still, like, it hasn't been completely, like, Frexia didn't shift it out of existence, basically. Right. But they so did Dominaria go is yeah. there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but the Frexia is just... Wrecked. It was not fun. Like, no. <laughs> it was not fun. Uh, yeah, Frexia, man, they're brutal. Okay. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to give like too much away though, because if people haven't read the books, they should. Uh huh. Because if I say any more, it'll give away. Like even saying Teferi had to give up, but that's like a huge spoiler. Oh. You know, a lot of characters die. Like. That's right. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> like, I don't want <laughs> to ruin that. Cause okay. It's, it's almost like the Game of Thrones of magic. That's right. It is. It's like a big. It's like a big thing. It is. It definitely influences a lot of the storylines that's going on today. Uh yeah. So when they did the mending, which is basically, for those who don't know, the, the like TLDR of the mending, at least for our intents and purposes, is it nerfed planeswalkers to high heaven, mm-hmm. right? That, that's for that's basically what we mean. So the the effects of that story exist today for sure. The last time there was a huge impact on the story was when they literally flipped it upside down in time spiral. Oh, okay. And since then, we haven't gone back to Dominaria, mm-hmm. and we haven't really seen those characters again i, I don't want to say who it is <laughs> i don't want i don't want to ruin it that's right there's so many good characters like this is it's very hard to make this spoiler free like i already ruined teferi <laughs> I, maybe i gotta bleep it out later <laughs> i mean they uh 
They can I mean, Google at it. He's not, at least he's not dead. That's true. Oh my gosh, too funny. I love, I it w- I was so surprised when you said that you started off in Urza's block because uh, it just, that's when I started and it brought back so many memories. Oh, it's, it, it was, it was a really good time to be playing Magic. If Magic had like a renaissance, it would be Urza block because I think that's when the game totally changed. That's true. That's right. The whole landscape of Magic going forward. Because I remember when I came in, I was looking at the formats before Urza Saga. Mm-hmm. And even if you look at just the previous block, uh, Tempest block, and you compare Tempest block to Urza block, it is, it's like not even the same game. That's right. Completely different. And it was, it was a really good time yeah. to come into Magic. Like there have been these, you know, milestones that I think Magic's reached. And I think Urza Saga was definitely one of the huge ones. It felt very polished. It did. It, it, it felt, you know what it was? It was ambition. It was like confident ambition. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, this game is growing. This is really cool. Let's do some crazy stuff. Or like, how awesome would this be? Yeah. And then they create things like Yogmoth's Will and, you know, Guy's Cradle and Masticor, which at the time was like, how is this even a creature? Right. Urza's Block was great. I wouldn't have picked any other time to start unless, you know, I was playing in beta, but I would have been like five. So <laughs> <laughs> Wedge, I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to start the Mana Source? Uh, okay. So, oh man, this is like a, this is like a 26 part story. <laughs> okay. Not exactly 26 parts. I basically grew up in a card store mm-hmm. because once I, I first started by playing the Pokemon card game, when that first came out in base set, like long ago when I was a little kid, I started playing Pokemon with my friends and we played a card store. Then when we grew up a little bit, you know, got to like 10 years old, one of my friends got into magic and he was like, oh, hey. And I remember exactly how he described it to me. He's like, magic is basically like chess and Pokemon was like checkers. Oh, my gosh. That's like a little kid. It's like an 11 year old who thought of this analogy. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's cool because I played a lot of chess back then. So I just started playing magic. And from then on for the next five or six years, I was in a card store every weekend because back then magic was on saturdays for us not fridays Uh uh-huh so my parents uh sometimes they would stay sometimes they would drop me off with like a group of friends and i would just stay at a card store every saturday from like noon to 11 p.m cool and i basically grew up in this card store and even though i was playing magic with what at the time was like 20 something year olds Mm -hmm. like they never treated me like a kid they were always helpful they just treated me and and all my friends like we were you know just part of that community it wasn't it was it was the only place where i remember not being treated as a child until i was like 16 <laughs> like yeah it was great and they were all really nice no one ever tried like taking advantage of anybody in trades like it was a very tight-knit group of like 30 people that is awesome it was sweet so i took that and like that's how i grew up like with magic so i had a lot of really good experiences and then when i got into college was in the middle of a time where i had dropped off a little bit i hadn't been playing this was around like a lara block mm-hmm a group that I was starting to get to know was playing magic around the time Zendikar comes in. And I started talking to them and it was like, Oh, you play magic. I used to play magic or like, I'm taking like, I like magic and bam, it was like instant friendship. And then I became friends with that whole group, two of whom now help with the mana source. That's awesome. Yeah. I've just had such good experiences with the game. It's been easily one of the most universally positive uh, influences on my life. So you take that and then you combine it with my ridiculous love of YouTube. Sweet. The fact that I've been watching YouTube like since it's existed, like 05. Uh-huh. Uh, just a really long time. And when I watch it, I always felt like that's a community where I would belong more mm-hmm. than most other communities. I don't really know how to explain that better. 
but it's like I just watch YouTube videos. I'm like, wow, I feel like I'd get along with a lot of these people, or I feel like this is a space where like I should be. Right. After I graduated college and had a bit of a crisis of not knowing what I wanted to do with my life because like some personal things happened and whatnot. I was like, all right, while I have no idea what I want to do, why don't we just do this thing for fun while I try to figure out like how to like live? Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, guys, do you want to, you know, start a magic YouTube channel? I think it'd be cool. Like we can present it like a news channel. It'd be sweet, right? Right. And like, oh, yeah, it's cool. We can make videos about all the stuff we like. Great. So we did. And almost three years later, here I am now doing this full time. <laughs> This is this is not my job. That's awesome. I started because community, I guess, is why. So when you first started off Wedge, the videos were geared kind of like news, right? Yeah. Yep. And since then, you've got set reviews, you've got spoilers, you have top 10 lists, best cards, worst cards, you have a little bit of lore. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think we need to talk about worst cards, but <laughs> uh, yeah, just don't mention those. I guess what what happened was we so we made the news videos, which I which I both liked making and thought that people would want to watch because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do something I thought people would like. Like I was doing it for me, but you obviously want people to like what you make. After a while, I guess it sort of just grew like after I remember this exactly. I remember how exactly how this worked after the first week because we started July 2013, like late July 2013. After the first week, we had like 35 subscribers. And out of these 35 random people, they were all very talkative. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know why, but they just were. So they would comment. They'd be like, oh, this is cool. This is like, oh, I don't really enjoy this that much. What about doing something like this? Oh, can you talk about this? So for the first month or so, I did kind of my own. I did my own thing, which uh, had a few series that no longer exist. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we used to do a tournament preview series, which was before every weekend's Grand Prix. I would predict, well, I guess not predict, but present two different decks that I thought would do well based on Magic Online results. Oh, cool. For like the previous two weeks. I actually ended up being right a lot of the time, which was cool. Wow. But the series didn't, people just didn't seem to like it because I guess it didn't add a whole lot for them if they weren't, you know, going to the tournament. Uh-huh. So while I liked doing that, um, viewers didn't seem to like it that much. So, so that, sent, that stopped. If anyone, if any of my viewers remember tournament previews, they were around like OG style. Wow. Uh, yeah, that goes back. That lasted for like a month. But then, you know, spoiler season for Theros started. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, let's just do a spoiler. I, these cards look cool. Let's just do a, a spoiler video and see if they like it. And we released a spoiler video on the first day of Theros spoilers. It got more views than like the rest of my channel combined uh-huh. up to that point in two days. Cool. We like doubled our sub count in like three days. We went from like 300 to 600 subscribers, like nothing. It was crazy. So we're like, all right, well, I guess we're doing spoiler videos for the rest of like their spoiler season, which is fine because we love spoilers. Right. And then after that, by the time spoiler season ended, we were already at like 2000 subs. Wow. It blew us up like big. In addition, there were a few YouTubers that helped us too. Rogue Deck Builder and MTG Lion. I'll never forget them. When we were really tiny, those two channels helped boost us. That's so awesome. Yeah, but then after that, I just with 2000 people, all of whom were really excited about magic, there were a lot of suggestions. And uh, between those and then ideas that I just had over time, we've sort of expanded, I guess. That's amazing. I don't want, I'm not like trying to troll you or anything, but I really love your worst cards videos. Funny story about that. Uh, when we first, man, I, I remember this too. Uh, the first videos we released for worst cards was just the top 10 worst cards ever made. Right. It was a two-part series. 
the night before now up to that like, i'm i'm generally a very optimistic person uh-huh. right on camera like like that's my thing uh because that that's how i see magic <laughs> right so i was really worried to release a video like that i was like man there's like a good chance that we're going to get destroyed by this. Like, I was really worried. I was up talking with the other mana source guys about it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know if the viewers are going to like this. I think they might feel offended. I don't know. So we released part one. I remember. Oh, my God. This was hilarious. We released part one. Now, and, and back then, our average video was getting like 10,000 views, maybe. We we released the first part of Worst Cards Ever. Goes bonkers on Twitter. gets like 500 comments in an hour after 24 hours it has like 40,000 views uh-huh which is more than any video we've ever had ever up to that point and it, and we had been doing it for a year and a half uh-huh and it was just it was insane like the response people freaking loved it and they thought it was just the best thing in the world they just thought it was great so i released part two same thing and then after that i just put it on my head for a while every on every freaking video man they were like hey you should do more videos about cards you hate <laughs> and that was just, it was like that for months. I would spend days working on a really researched video. Yeah. And the top comment would be like, you should talk about bad cards more. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, dang, man. God. So that created a bitterness. So I was like, but it's what they wanted. Like they yeah. asked for it. They wanted. And I know plenty of bad cards. <laughs> like I know so many. God, I hate them. And so I, so I was like, you know what? Fine. Fine. I'll release one episode. They'll hate it and we'll be done. Nope. Nope. I released one episode, they freaking went crazy, and then I've never stopped. They've just never let me leave. They the longer it goes without a worst cards ever, they like riot. That is too funny. I yes. stumbled onto them and at first I've seen all your other videos about what cards you love, best cards in commander, et cetera, et cetera. And the surprise that I feel when I when I learn about a card that's great is just like, oh wow, like excitement, discovery, like I'm excited to use it. I'm all these possibilities are swimming through my head. And then I see the worst cards. And you know what's funny, Wedge, is that I get that same feeling. It's like, oh my God, this is so bad. I didn't even notice that this existed. <laughs> I wonder how it could be even worse. Like it was hilarious. Like your hilarious and stunning positivity and passion shines through in every ounce, even with these bad card videos. Like you are Dang. so annoyed and <laughs> so really salty, and, but they're so good. Like your seven mana <sighs> lightning bolt that draws you a card. Dude, okay, Ember Shot is a piece of trash. <laughs> All right, here, okay, so no, like I, I've got this question a million times. They're like, they're like, are you joking when you make your worst cards ever videos? I'm like, no, I'm not joking. These cards suck and I hate them. Like I could <sighs> be spending this time making a best cards ever video which is awesome yeah. and has a lot of relevant information and takes a lot of research, but it's great. But no, you want me to trash like Juju Bubble for six minutes. <laughs> God, I hate you. Like, that's what they, oh. And that samurai Bushido guy that only buffs against spirits. Oh my God, Takeno's Cavalry. Yes, yes, it which is. is. So bad. Yeah, it's <sighs> yeah, it's bad. It was like funny because like I could even contribute to some of them. There's a couple of thralls from like Homeland. It like doesn't do anything, and if you sack it, it like does more bad stuff to yourself or Dude, something. Dude, I haven't even gotten to thralls. Like, don't even get me started <laughs> on thralls. I to- I have like out of the what? How many? Sixteen thousand magic cards. Something. Yeah. I don't know. It's up there. Like at least four to five hundred of them are vomit inducing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh God. There's um. 
There's a cube that I think Loading Ready Run has that's just the worst cards ever. Oh, really? Yep. So, the, uh, oh my God. Like, I, I'm harming magic by making these videos. Anytime I make one of these stupid things, there'll be like 10 comments like, thank you for bringing this card to my attention. It's going right in my cube. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> that is the worst idea. That's insane. That's not what you should be taking from this. Why would anyone want to put that kind of stuff in their cube? Because they hate me. They just That's want to troll I, people? Yeah, apparently. They want to troll their cube group? They're actually the worst. Everyone who watches the worst card series is either a masochist or a sociopath. I laugh so hard because oftentimes I don't even think people know that those cards exist. And they don't, apparently. They, they really are glory in like a different way. Oh, gosh. Okay, so before before you just melt into like Dude, a I'm pillar on so of much salt, tilt right now. <laughs> okay, uh, before we get you more tilted, let's change the topic. Let's change. I'm at a 45 degree angle. <laughs> okay, okay, let's change the topic to something really amazing that I really want to acknowledge you for, Wedge. You probably are one of the most awesome gamers that I have seen represent the Magic community in a long time. So you are a gentleman and a scholar. My hats off to you. If I was there with you right now, I'd give you a huge fist bump and a hug. You raised so much money for. St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Yeah. You hit it out of the park, man. You are number five on the list, on the leaderboard. Thank you. It was, and I should say, it definitely, like, all I did was organize. Like, everyone who donated, absolutely fantastic. I can't even, there were over 600 different people who donated. It was just amazing. Which is insanity. Uh, First, which is just, that's just crazy in general. But there were so many generous donors and... When when we were figuring out uh, the drive, my goal, my pray to Heliod goal mm-hmm. was 20,000 for the whole thing. Uh-huh. I was like, please, because last year we got 15,000. Uh-huh. And the year before that, we got 12,000. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, I would like to make improvement. Right. Uh, so I was like, 20,000, that would be just please, please. And we had four nights to do it. Oh, my goodness. First night, Saturday, it ends at 16,500. My goodness. After one night. And I'm like, I'm just like done. Like, I'm completely floored. I absolutely know. And I, I shave my head. Like, that's. That's right. That ever, all that happens. I don't know, man. It just never slowed down. Like, the next night, we got another 10,000. The next night, we got another like seven or eight. And then the last day, we got another seven or eight. And it was just out of, just out of nowhere, $41,000, which was more than double my goal, almost double what I had made for the previous two years combined. Four day period. It was was actually like 72 hours. That's incredible. And so the challenge is that they gave you a very specific amount of time. Uh, So the way it worked was the campaign happened through the entirety of May Mm -hmm. is is their whole thing from like, you know, May 1st to May 31st. And what happened is when spoiler season is going on, I just don't have time. And then before that, uh, I had some health issues. And then... Oh, yeah. Okay. So most of them had some had some health issues. And then the middle of May was Eternal Masters. So that that left me by the time I had time, I had four days left. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I was going to plan it out diff- differently, like spread it out more throughout the month. But I was like, man, I just I got to do what I can. I got to like do my best. And, you know, last year, it took me three weeks to raise $15,000. The year before that, it took me two and a half months to raise $12,000. Uh-huh. And this time it took something like 76 hours to raise 41,000. That is insane. It was nuts. I think besides Desert Bus, it's like the biggest single like Twitch charity event for magic that I've seen. Wow. Uh, which I'm beyond proud of and I'm super proud of our community. And it just it really shows that like magic players care. Yeah. 
Like, I, I, I don't like when groups get a bad rap at all. Like, I, I hate that in general. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, the magic community needed something good like that. Yeah. I think there's too much negativity sometimes. And I think we needed to remind everybody that this is a community of innately good people. That's right. Which I think was important. And I think it, it definitely did that. Saving lives, man. That's right. For a community that turns a lot of cardboard sideways and we put up really kind of sad numbers on like from an esports standpoint. Yeah. From like YouTube and Twitch, we really kind of showed them who's boss by there- <laughs> putting you number number five on the leaderboards. I mean, compared to all There's the There's a gamers. lot of value. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. It's like our, our community is like quality over quantity when it comes to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you compare me with some of the other people on that list, my community is so small. Right. Compared to a lot of those people. Yep. But it doesn't matter because the quality of our community just kicks all their butts. That's right. All over the place. I am confident they will continue to do that. That is so amazing. Um, What were some of the things that you were doing or playing that re- you think really contributed? You were streaming Overwatch for a little bit, but did you play like Moto matches online or? Uh, Yeah. So so the way the way my stream works and it's it makes it pretty unique is aside from uh, just playing Magic Online, which if anyone's ever seen me play Magic Online, I'm either playing Momir and losing like an idiot, <laughs> or I'm drafting or doing sealed and then, you know, losing like an idiot. Uh, no, it's complete chaos. My stream is just out of control. I do charity auctions. Uh-huh. These huge big events where I auction off some pretty high stakes or high value things that I get uh, donated to me from other personalities or, you know, Wizards of the Coast themselves. Mm -hmm. So this time around, I was donated a sealed graded unlimited booster pack from Open Boosters, who's a YouTuber. Holy moly. I was donated this amazing package of just commander products, a sealed box of Fallen Empires, some wooden deck boxes. This is all from the professor who donated all this stuff. And he threw in one of everything from his merch store that he has. Wow. That was for another night. And then Wizards of the Coast sent me foil uncut sheets and commander products. And they just like a lot of it's just people coming. to. And then the Command Zone podcast, same thing. They sent me a whole set of commander products from 2015 and 2013. Amazing. Yeah. So these auctions, uh, normally, you know, you'd auction something off and it would sell for near its value. Because these are charity auctions, it didn't really work that way. Uh-huh. So uh, <laughs> the... Uh, the unlimited booster pack, which is sealed, is worth a little bit less than a thousand. Sold for like twenty seven hundred because that's how the community works. Like at that point, because it's the way the charity stream works, is it's like a battle. Like people have to donate to bid, right? So you'll have these two people donating and bidding, raising the minimum over and over again for like three hours straight. Uh huh. So you know, at some point, you would think that it stops being about winning the thing and just doing it because it's for charity, right? That's sort of how it went for every single auction we ever did. All of them sold for way higher than their MSRP for everything. It was a lot of generosity and a lot of just getting into the. I guess it was like the atmosphere. It was getting into the feeling of doing good, and I would say that the atmosphere that was created in my chat was probably the main thing that raised the most money. I love it. It was an experience I could not mirror. Yeah, as a community builder, you really build the atmosphere properly. You've got just such wonderful, happy energy. And you said earlier that you were so enthusiastic about magic that when you're out there and you're making videos and you're talking about it, you are happy. You are hyped. You are you yeah. want to be there. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's I mean not <laughs> not not to like to my community's own horn, but I feel very strongly that as a subsection of the magic community, 
the Manosaurus community is in- incredibly strong and made up of the most positive people in the magic community. I never see my viewers trashing other people. Yeah. I never see my viewers, even on my videos, they're, they're never bad comments. There are never rude comments. Whenever people have disagreements in my comment section, very civil, um, which is YouTube. That's like, that's ridiculous. Right. That just doesn't happen. But there'll be a lot of times where someone would be like, hey, they'll like ask a question, right? They'd be like, oh, hey, could you explain this to me? And I can't look at all the comments like in a timely manner. So someone else would be like, oh, yeah, just, you know, here's your answer. And then they'll be like, oh, well, what about this? And then they'll keep, they'll like make their own discussion uh-huh. without me. <laughs> You've got like a forum thread in your chat. Coming. Yeah, that, that's what it is. And they're all so helpful. And the energy is so positive. I've been to a lot of other magic sub-communities, and I don't think any of them are like mine. Yeah. Just based on the... Again, like I think it's because I always try to be optimistic, not just with magic, but with life. Just the way I present things. And I sort of think that we've created an, a unique atmosphere that allows for this kind of result where we can raise a ton of money and everyone can feel really happy and proud. And you know, they just feel really good about it. And you are also a very special person to be planting the seeds of that kind of community. You're a very, you're such a generous person. You have a big heart, you put yourself out there, you go out there with a big smile, and you're so generous with all of your knowledge and your value, and people love that energy, and people take that and they run with it. And I think that's what's really created and fostered that. So yes, it is Thanks, man. just that awesome like-minded, you know, those like-minded people looking for content like yours and also you being a leader and you putting it out there too. So yeah, man, hats off to everyone for the Manosaurus. I feel very grateful to have the community I have. So I also wanted to ask you, Wedge, did you ever get that tattoo? Okay, so here's... Now, I I have currently two tattoos. I have um, one on my arm, which is the suits of cards. I have a spade, diamond, club, and heart in a row on my forearm. Uh Uh-huh. And then I have a uh, family tattoo on my back. So I, I have a history of tattoos. I know the best way to do this. In New York State, I will not get a tattoo in the summer. Okay. It is humid all the time. Uh-huh. It's disgusting. It's terrible for it's terrible for tattoo hygiene. Uh-huh. It's absolutely awful. So the plan, and like this, I would never get a tattoo in the summer. So my plan is to just make the appointment for uh, like mid to late September when it's cooled down and the air becomes really dry. Yeah. Uh, and there's just no humidity at all. Right. And it becomes much easier to take care of, reduces the risk of infection. Because I have to get two tattoos. Oh, I didn't uh, hear about the second one. <clears throat> yeah, so... So give us a little bit of background. Right, all right. Well, here, here's the evolution of what happened. So during the first night of the auction, uh, at $5,000 total raise, which I was positive wasn't going to happen in one night, I had to shave all my facial hair, uh-huh. which I've had since the beginning of the channel. Yeah. That happened like within an hour and a half. Yeah. So that was gone. Then I was like, oh, well, if you get $10,000 tonight, I'll shave my head. Remember, I was trying to get $20,000 through the whole campaign. Right. So I'm like, $10,000 in one night is like, that's just stupid. Like, uh-huh. there's no way that's ever going to happen. Then it happened like 30 minutes later. So there goes my hair. And then I hadn't even released my real milestone goals yet, which were going to come out the next morning, uh-huh. which was like, oh, at 15,000, I will get a St. Jude logo tattoo. Uh-huh. Right. So I told them, I was like, well, this is what I was going to do at 15,000. Hour later, bam, there it is. And that just happened. And on that list also was at 20,000, I was going to get a Manasaurus logo tattoo. Uh-huh. And then they hit that the next night, just without even trying. Uh-huh. Before I could even update the milestone, since they, they, they hit them too fast. Oh, my gosh. So at that point, I had to get the St. Jude tattoo and the Manasaurus tattoo. 
Now, what happened after that was the chat sort of evolved and created their own idea for what to do at like 40,000. Oh my gosh. Which ended up being they wanted to combine the tattoos. <laughs> they want it because because St. Jude has giving hands uh-huh. like as one of their. So they wanted me to get a St. Jude tattoo with the giving hands holding the Manosaur's Lotus. OK, OK. So that's that's where we've gotten uh, the tattoo artist I have is an amazing artist. So I'm going to go to him with all my images and get him to like draw it up and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when that happens, which is going to be uh, early autumn, like I'll have pictures up and everything about it. Uh, but to get it now would just be horribly just it would just be, it would be really bad it yeah. would it would not be responsible at all the funny thing was that like i was i was seeing tweets from the professor being like get in here right now wedge is going to shave <clears throat> yeah he's he's the worst he was okay so <laughs> what happened with him being on the stream is he wanted me to shave my chest because it, it the whole goal was hairless wedge by the end of it oh my goodness was their whole thing and i just i don't even know why i said yes to shave my chest but i did and they, they got it they got to because this is when the professor was on the skype call with me when right his auction was up right, right. So he was talking to the chat so it got to thirty thousand, and oh no th- th- this one was for 25 so it got to 25 and everyone was all about the shave the chest thing and they were like oh yeah he's gonna do it and then chat i said nothing chat offered me a trade uh-huh. like as a group they, they were like you don't have to shave your chest if you sing us two songs that's right i saw that too and i'm like well, i'm like well and they're like you can't joke sing you have to <laughs> actually sing <laughs> so i freaking did i did um what was it barbie girl uh-huh and another song that was i i don't even remember anymore i think i uh, cut it out of my head forever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't remember, but they, they freaked out. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and then I, I still have to shave my legs because that was the $35,000 one. Oh my goodness. Which Prop also thought of. Oh my goodness. No, not shave. I have to wax them. Oh, you have to wax them. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you're gonna get ready. You're like getting ready for like a swim, tr- like a swim meet or something. Yeah, it's not good. Oh boy. <laughs> oh it's my not goodness. A, it's not a, well, I, again, like, Going into this, I was praying for 20K. Uh-huh. And even after one night, we hit 16. I still didn't believe. I'm like, there's this has to stop, right? Like everyone, like this has to be done. That had to have been like an isolated incident. Yeah. And it just wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they surprised me every single night. That's too funny. So yeah, I have to, I'm going to get the tattoos in the fall when uh, it makes more sense. And I don't want an infection. <laughs> of course. Yeah, no, we want you to be healthy, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing to hear kind of like the drive that you raise so much money. It's incredibly inspirational. And it just is such a testament to your community, your talent, and just like the way you're able to like really inspire people and rally people. So thank you so much for that wedge. That's just so amazing. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it feels freaking great. <laughs> I wanted to change gears a little bit. I wanted to also ask a little bit about where you get your inspiration from. When I first started the channel, everything that I did was there there wasn't a lot of thought in it in the sense that I was like, hey, I wish someone did this so I would know this information. Mm-hmm. And then I just did it. Mm-hmm. I was like, because like, I thought people would, I thought I would want a tournament preview because I would want to know what's coming next week, even if I'm not going, like, that's just things I would want. So my, my inspiration was, I guess, making me happy. Mm-hmm. Because again, we're talking about a time where, you know, everything I learned in college, I basically gave up on in my senior year. Mm-hmm. Like, I just turned, I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is not the path I need to go in my life. So I graduated, you know, not knowing anything. So when I was doing this, you know, I was still like looking for work and trying to like figure out what the heck I was going to do. 
So I was doing it for me to make me feel better. Yeah. And to just, I wanted to be a part of a community where I felt like I belonged. And as the channel grew, like every morning I'd wake up and look at comments and just see what people had to say. And as time went on, uh, the more I got, the more time I put into it, uh, the more heart I put into it, my inspiration became the viewers I already had. Like not to gain viewers, like my inspiration was was them, like their excitement. Every time I saw a bunch of exclamation points in a row, somehow stuff like that just triggers ideas for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be reading comments on a video, even if it's like a spoiler video, and then in my head I'll be like, "Hey, I should do a series on altered art cards." It, it just happens. Like as I'm reading comments from other people, and I guess I think my inspiration is just my community. Like at this point, um, they're my they're my motivation. They're the reason I do what I do. And they also, like, they drive my creative process. Uh-huh. Because I'm I'm forever looking for ways to inform and entertain, you know, in a way that I think they would want. I love that. Wedge, who in your life inspires you to keep doing what you're doing? When I was studying uh, in school, the career path that I had chosen, I had chosen in high school. Like, I had my whole life set out. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was a very lucrative career, like Mm -hmm. a lot of money. And the reason I did that is because my family didn't grow up super rich. Like we we didn't grow up like super poor, but we definitely, you know, didn't have extra money, you know, to do things. Mm -hmm. And so I always wanted to be able to like give my family things because they're amazing. And that's what this job was for. But then when I figured out that I just couldn't do it anymore, you know, I now have nothing, right? Like I have no job, like all that money I was going to make is just gone. So now when it comes to inspiring me to like care and do a lot, my family is definitely number one. Uh, I like the idea of thinking that if I work hard at what I do and people like what I do, eventually I could get to a part where, you know, I could help my mom build a barn so she can have horses for the first time in like 40 years. Uh huh. That's just a huge, I guess that's a huge inspiration for me to just do anything, I guess, just like live in general. Yeah. Uh, that would have been, that, that, that's huge. That's over, I guess that's overarching. As far as the channel, in addition to my family, I think it's, God, it really is just my viewers. Like, I can't find a better group of people that just makes me feel better about what I'm doing. Like, if I, if I get super serious, I've gotten um, a few messages before. I'm not going to give too much detail because uh, it's not in my place. But I've got a few messages that are to the gist of like, hey, um, I've been going through a really hard time. Uh, you know, life's not great right now. And, you know, I've considered, you know, like ending things just in mu- it's said in much harsher terms. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, but I watch your channel and your enthusiasm is just so great. Every time I watch you, it just it makes me happy and it helps me feel more optimistic. And just, you know, thank you for helping me through this. Mm-hmm. And like, Dude, I'm just a random guy who makes videos in my bedroom. Like, so w- when I read that, like that's that stays with me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so when I think about what I do. Messages like that inspire me on an incredibly deep level. Yeah. Because there's never, it's almost like for me, motivation and inspiration are very similar. Yes. Yeah, man. Comments like that are like, I need to do my best. Like I need to keep trying harder and keep caring about what I do because other people care about what I do. So it's like at this point, which is, you know, remember I said it originally, I started doing this to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. I now do this because I want to help everyone around me. Yeah. So it's sort of, it started very, um, very much inside myself. And now it's, I do it because it makes, it helps, you know, everybody around me in a way that I can clearly see now, which feels freaking awesome. That is amazing. 
when I watch anything that you do, the only emotion that really shines through is just your unwavering generosity, that you just have an abundance of generosity. You know, a while ago, you shared a very personal video about things that you were going through with your health. One of the first things that came out of your mouth was, hey, everyone, I'm fine. I just want to let you know I'm good, but I just want to let you know what's going on with me. That that even in a moment when you were talking about something very personal about yourself, you still really cared about what your viewers and what your audience was feeling. And you wanted to let everyone know that you were okay first. That was like just so much heart. And I was like, wow, what a person, what a guy. I was like, wow, you know? Thanks. Yeah, I, I've, I've only made a few videos like that. Mm-hmm. In my head, when I look at the YouTube viewer relation, like the YouTuber viewer relationship, it's like I make content, you guys consume content, you know, that's what I'm there for, right? Like I'm there to make you things. You're there to consume the things I make and enjoy them. Right. Uh, so when something gets in the way that prevents me from doing that, and remember, because the community is everything to me, I feel like I owe an explanation for like why things are happening Yeah. to a certain degree. And a lot of people tell me I don't, which I, I honestly, like objectively speaking, I probably don't, mm-hmm. but I feel like I do because it's my community. Like this is why I did this, right? So I could like be with all these people. Right. So I feel like I owe that and it's it's not easy to share uh, at all. And I've still not, I haven't shared nearly close to everything at all. Like I share what I can, but I don't know. I, I guess it goes back to how I think I've cultivated a safe space for anyone, especially, you know, whenever I've mentioned depression or, you know, even IBS, which are like, those are the two big things that um, create hurdles for me. Mm-hmm. My viewers, like they'll share stories of themselves or they'll share stories of a loved one or just, you know, messages of solidarity and it's it's freaking awesome yeah and there really is there's almost like no better feeling than that because i feel and i I don't think this is true for a lot of youtubers but i think it's it's true for many that maybe you don't think it's true for like we put a lot into this Mm -hmm. right like this is we spend our lives doing this so it means it really does mean a lot to a lot of us so the thoughts and comments from our viewers mean a lot so i don't know it's i was definitely afraid to do something like that um, but every time I've done it, it's been all right. And the viewers understand. And it's nice because it sort of created this uh, dialogue that is sort of broken down that wall of YouTuber viewer to being like, you know, we are we are community members together. Like, I am not above the viewer. Like, we're we're in this together. Like, when I make a video, it is for us. Right. You know, so I think that's that's m- mainly what I've taken out of stuff like that. And they always help me get past things like depression. Or get, you know, through bouts because it, it happens every so often. Mm-hmm. But viewers help me. So that's, yeah. it's a give and take. Right. And I really, I really freaking, I really like it. Wedge, I wanted to ask you, do you ever want to play competitively? This is a tough question because there were points, especially when I was a col- when I was in college and I got back into it after being gone for a while. Uh-huh. I thought about it. Like I was, I'd go to FNM every week. Uh, I would do really well, like either 4 or 3 1 consistently. Uh huh. Go to pre releases, go undefeated, those all the time. So there was definitely the urge. What happened was school just took up too much time mm-hmm. combined with I didn't have money and it just sort of, you know, I just couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. So that would, that was the main time where I was like, man, it would be really cool to do this. And I kind of lost it because I didn't have time. And then after I graduated and I started the channel, I remember, I was trying to figure out where to push the content because I could write competitive magic scripts. Mm-hmm. Like I could do that. Like I, a few of the members of my team are incredibly skilled. Uh, like I am definitely above average, but it doesn't, that doesn't mean 
it, it, there's a running joke on terrible at magic. <laughs> but I thought about it and I was like, the people who are watching magic YouTube videos are not pros, mm-hmm. right? Like they're, they're just not. They're people who are or players who are learning the game or trying to learn something new. Like that's what YouTube is great for. YouTube is for entertaining and informing. So I was like, I feel like I could do so much better and I would probably have more fun if I cater to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. Like I, I started making content. I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe new players would like to know this or maybe they would like to know this. And it became a lot better and more lighthearted for me to do that. So now I don't think about going competitive ever just because, you know, this channel is like what I do now. Yeah. I think the dream is cool. I respect all the pros who do it. Uh, and I am nowhere near their skill level. Not even close. Some of them blow my mind. And I don't know. I mean, I am past that now. I think it was the professor who told me those who can't do teach. Uh-huh. And I think that's now where I've fallen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not going to be a pro. It's just not going to happen. So I'll help where I feel like I can. What was it like playing in the Community Super League? Uh, Community Super League is like chaos incarnate. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, it's they, they've had the Vintage Super League and they've had, you know, they've had other Super Leagues before, so there's a precedent. Right. But this is the first one that wasn't designed to be super competitive, right? Right. Like, they brought in community members. Once you put the professor and myself into anything, it can't be competitive. Uh-huh. Just because just of the way we are. Right. Uh, apparently. So, I don't know. It's It's been fun because all the community members are great. Everyone gets along with each other. We have this hilarious Gmail train. Uh-huh. Uh, that, and like this huge Skype conversation that we have. And it's, oh my God, it's just the rowdiest group of people ever. I was super happy to be invited and I'm glad to be doing it. Even above that, I'm glad that it's being supported by Wizards at all because it shows that they care about the community, which is great. That's the big thing for me. It's like, I'm happy I got invited, but I would have been happy as long as it happened. Right. Because it definitely shows that now, you know, with podcasters being invited and YouTubers being invited, it's showing that Wizards really... They know, like they know that, you know, community members are important. You know, they're paying attention. Um, they've definitely helped me with stuff. Like, you know, we get spoiler card or preview cards every season. So I think more than anything, the CSL was great in that respect. And I'm, I love playing it. I think it's great, even though I'm like the resident bad guy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. How are oh, you the man. resident bad guy? So, okay. So here's what happened. One week we had Tribal Wars, which was basically exactly how it sounds. It, it's legacy ban list. And you build a deck based on a tribe. Uh huh. Ten of our creatures had to be from uh, standard, right? Uh huh. Had to be from standard, so we could only pick tribes that there are ten, at least you know, ten cards, or no, I guess like three cards worth, because two play sets and then a third one, so three cards worth in standard. Uh huh. So that that was it. We got no other rules. None of us really know anything about tribal wars. Though those are the rules we were given. So half of the community super league picked Dirtle tribes. Uh huh. That they think are just funny. Like um, Marshall picked like deer or elk or something. Okay. Which is really funny. Yeah. And then like Loading Ready Run picked hats. Uh. <laughs> like things, things with hats on them. But on the other side, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah, it was great. I picked Nightmares. Uh-huh. And like, let's, oh, and Kenji picked Scarecrows. Uh-huh. Right? Kenji built Painter Servant. Okay. Just straight up Painter Servant that just had 10 standard Scarecrows in it. Yeah. And I built World Gorger combo <laughs> that just had 10 standard nightmares in it. Because <laughs> World Gorger Dragon's a nightmare dragon. <laughs> and the reason I did it wasn't to win because I don't care at all about winning. <laughs> I th- here's my thought process was I'm going to build something that I don't think people have seen before. Uh-huh. 
Like, cause I, new players will have no idea what World Gorger Dragon even does. Right. Even after reading it. Yeah. Like, the card is ridiculous. So I was like, you know what? This will just be funny. I'll build a World Gorger Dragon deck. It'll be terrible because I have to put 10 standard legal nightmares in the deck. So there's no way it's going to function. Right. But I'll build it and it'll be really funny. I go up against the uh, the girlfriend bracket who are running zombies. Uh-huh. And I win on turn two, turn three. Oh, yikes. In both games. Yep. I go off completely. They have no chance. I got literally, I goldfished <laughs> one of the games. Oh, no. And the other one I drew into like goldfishing. It was. Oh, no. It, it, was, it was mainly a myth. Like we just didn't know what each other was doing. Right. I just did what I thought was funny. And when I hear legacy ban list, I don't think dirtily. Right. So I just, I built what I thought was funny. So I was the first match of the night. Uh-huh. And our game was over in like four minutes. It really set the precedent. Oh, chat hated me. They still hate... I When World Gorger Dragon was announced in Eternal Masters, I got like 60 angry tweets of people blaming me. Oh, really? For World Gorger Dragon being a mythic in Eternal Masters. Oh, man. And it's man. just been this running... I don't even want to say it's a joke because it people legit hate me for this. Oh, my goodness. They are so mad. So, yeah, it set a precedent. And now, four weeks later... I am like the villain of CSL. Oh my goodness. They hate everything I do. Oh my gosh. The funniest part though is Kenji with his Scarecrow deck uh-huh. later in the night won turn two, turn two. Uh-huh. So he won faster than me. Uh-huh. But it didn't matter because oh. I was the first one to do it. So all the pitchforks were in my chest. Oh my gosh. That it is was hilarious. Brutal. So yeah, they've never let me live it down. <laughs> I lost a game of Momir in one week to Loading Ready Run by summoning Phage. Uh-huh. The Untouchable. Yeah. Which auto-loses you the game. That's right. You're not supposed to do that. Exactly. And they said uh, that that was my, like, penance. Oh, my goodness. For World Gorger Dragon. But they still haven't. Let me live it down. But I, I love the CSL. I think it's a great idea. I hope they do more of it afterwards. I hope they make another season. Chat hates me, though. <laughs> the chat hates you. You know what? In that funny... um dies to removal podcast with you and the professor you guys had like a little little blurb when you're like we leave the csl chat and we come here and we just lick yeah. our wounds yep <laughs> well okay so all right well here's it's, it's really weird the contingent of people who are on the csl chat because it's a twitch chat right so the main people who see this twitch chat are twitch viewers and people from reddit right marshall is really popular because he's amazing and his voice is like buttery goodness right Kenji is a Twitch streamer, so he's fine. Gabby's a Twitch streamer, so she's fine. Like, YouTube, the prof and I, we don't have the Twitch presence that they have. Right. So when we come in, a lot of these people don't subscribe to us. Uh Uh-huh. They don't know or care about us at all. Right. So the second we do something, like, little that they don't like, they're like, who are these people? Why are they in this? Get them out of here. Get them out of here. So then, so it becomes this, and we just consistently get low ranks on everything because people won't vote for us because they hate us. Uh Uh-huh. So... (laughs) <laughs> so we have this joke that like just after like anywhere but CSL chat is safe. <laughs> it's like a safe place. And CSL <laughs> chat is like wandering into just the den of death. It's oh god, it's so bad. Oh like that's like where you guys go to like crack a beer and just be like, oh that was miserable. Oh guys, I can't believe we made it through today. No, it's <laughs> but that it's 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 uh it's a bit it's a bit chaotic. You'd think that it would be like the format where it was like self-correcting, but it isn't. No, <laughs> no, it's I will say the one, well, not the one, but I think the best thing for me to come out of CSL is I've been able to do commentary because we we commentate other people's matches. Uh-huh. And I've, I've taken that pretty seriously. Like I 
I mean, obviously, I can never be like an analytical commentator, but I, I, I'm trying to get better at color commentating. Yeah, that, that's one thing I don't think the chat hates me for. I think I'm doing OK at that. And I, I try really hard at that. So that seems to work. They seem to be OK with that. And, you know, I'll take it, even though my record is like, I don't know, it's like two and six now or something like that. Oh, man. It's, it's fun, though. CSL is crazy. Wedge, do you want to do more commentary? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Maybe it, it, it in my heart. I want to say yes. But in my mind, the first thing that comes up is like, you're going to be criticized for this. Like, <laughs> like, 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 if you do that, more people will hate you. Or like, <laughs> it's like I in, in, in my head, it becomes a cost benefit thing, right? It's like, what are the chances that I do more coverage and it goes poorly and people hate me versus how much of a benefit would I get if I do well and they don't, you know what I yeah. mean? So it's like, I'm just going to make some videos, like, just <laughs> let me do my thing. I would like, I, I like doing commentary, though. I, I didn't think I would. But I like doing the research for decks, you know, before we go on. I like the um, I like the banter. I like it. I mean, I would like to do more. I think uh, one week, Randy Bueller and I commentated the last match of the night, which was uh, Aaron Forsyth versus Girlfriend Bracket. Uh-huh. And it was it was no banless modern. And yeah. it was Eldrazi with like GTA and Stoneforge Mystic against Dredge. Uh-huh. And it was it was hilarious to commentate. It was super fun. And the chat really liked it. So experiences like that, yeah. Like, I, I guess I would like to commentate more. And then I'll just wait to regret that a month after I fail. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> no, you're going to be fine. You won't fail. It's going to be amazing. Wedge, I wanted to ask you if you have any advice for new players just starting off in the game. I would say, I guess it depends on the kind of magic you want to play. Like, if you and your friends just, you know, play at lunch or recess or you play, you know, your kitchen table, that's awesome. Keep doing that. But I would suggest subscribing to both myself and Tolarian <laughs> because yeah. we're great for that. Uh, yes. No, I, I guess for newer players, if you really want to get into magic, go to FM. That's the big thing I tell newer players are like, oh, I just started this game. You know, um, I want to play more. Like, what do I do? Just go to FM. As many horror stories as there are, or, you know, people post them on Reddit and stuff like that. FMs are great places to be. Most of the time, people are incredibly nice. Uh, everyone's great. It's the same thing I like pre-releases. My my advice is just play as much magic as you want. Like, go where there's magic and play it. You know, watch videos, like, read articles. Just take it as much as you want, as fast as you want. You have nothing to prove to anybody. Like, don't feel bad if you, like, play casually. Casual players are the reason why Wizards of the Coast still exists. Right. Do what you want. Find what you like in magic and just do that. Don't let anybody else tell you what's right or wrong. I don't know. I guess like that's that's a pretty tough question. I think besides just, you know, be true to what you like. And if you're a casual player and you like being a casual player, then man, do that. That's great. I would love that. I love that. And Wedge, what kind of advice would you have for players that are aspiring to get onto the Pro Tour? So I've hmm, I've gotten this question before and I've gone, I guess my answer has changed over time, I think. But now based on what I've read, just, you know, with my viewers and how their experiences have gone, I guess I guess there are three things. Uh, one of them is like if, if you really want to like make it to the pro tour or be, you know, the best player you can. One is you have to have no pride, literally none. Like you need to be able to say that you did something wrong. Like you need to, like, you can't think that you know more than everybody else. You have to be aware that you will make mistakes and that your plays are not perfect. And the only way to improve is to realize where you need improvement. Otherwise there's, you're never going to get better. Yeah. Which leads to my second point, which is be patient. 
like you're not going to get to the pro tour tomorrow uh if you like just started you know fnms play those until you dominate fnms then go to a scg opener pptqs play as many playing as many of those as you can getting good is about like getting knocked down and just getting back up again until you learn to not get knocked down yeah like that's that's what you need to do which leads to the third point which is play literally all the time like if you want to be good at something practice like practice makes perfect is one of the oldest sayings ever and it's so incredibly simple but it is absolutely right mm -hmm. like just play more play more be okay with being wrong and not even just be okay with it but like embrace being wrong take being wrong as your gospel so you just don't do those things anymore and just be patient because the more impatient you are the more frustrated you're going to get with yourself and it will just go poorly so those are those are my pieces of advice i guess it's about just being disciplined that is some great advice i love that thanks yeah that's what a few of my friends uh over the years have really worked towards and they're definitely better players for it wedge what's coming up next for you like what's in the future for you well since my entire life revolves around youtube let's, let's talk about what's going on on youtube uh i haven't announced actually you know what yeah why not I haven't announced anything about this yet because it's like a secret project I'm working on. Ooh. But you know, exclusives are fun. I love it. So yeah, it's gonna be good. I'm working on a collaborative video with a bunch of gigantic content creators, not magic content creators, just giant content creators. And like the video is gonna be like a vlog style video, but it's gonna be about why magic is like the greatest game or like what, what magic means to people or like how much it's impacted their lives. And I've been slowly gathering contacts and speaking with many different, uh, you know, full-time YouTubers and streamers and like really just huge people. And it, you'd be surprised how many people's lives magic has defined or touched in some meaningful way. And it's, it's, it's definitely like a, not documentary, but, it's it's gonna be you know like a tear at your heartstrings kind of thing. Oh my goodness! It's gonna be really it's gonna be really good. I've been gathering people for a while, and this summer is when I'm really putting all the work into it. Amazing! When can we expect it to be out? I have no release date. Okay. Um, it's tentatively between August and October. Like <laughs> okay. Uh, probably somewhere around there, but it's gonna have a ton of famous or a ton of like really well-known content creators, many of whom most of their viewers probably don't even know they played Magic, let alone love it. I'm really excited about that. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Wedge, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Oh God, these things make, oh man, so nervous. <laughs> it's funny because I was like, I send them to you ahead of time. <laughs> All right, here if, we if go. If it helps, I was going to write down answers uh -huh. and then I forgot. So <laughs> this is going to be great. I'm ready. Okay, okay. All righty. Hit me. Question number one. Of the five colors of magic, white, blue, black, green, and red, what is your favorite color and why? Uh, well, first of all, you didn't put the five colors in Wubo order, so... Should I? What? Should I have? I, I, I it, it was more of a joke, but <laughs> it, those, are, those are things I noticed. Oh, really? Okay, I, I can I can restructure it. No, no, it, it, it's really, it, it's literally just a joke. I was just, <laughs> I think it's funny. 
I just I think that should be part of you could change it or you could leave that as part of the cast. That's we could do it again if you want. No, 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 that's fine. You know what's funny? Because when I first wrote this question, I wanted to write it in an order. So I was like, should I go clockwise or should I go counterclockwise? Oh man, that would have put me on the worst tilt ever. <laughs> Counter um, oh god. I think I went counter. Uh, White, blue, it, it black. Should- do you have a magic card in front of you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I oh yes. <laughs> I have yeah, I have my coast right here. It's uh white. Yeah, yeah. Wooberg. White, blue, black, red, green is clockwise. White, green, red, black, blue is counterclockwise. Oh, which I've okay. never heard in my entire life. So I think I should have done. Okay, so I, all I did was I botched. I botched the clockwise. I switched the last two. The green, red. Yes. Yeah, I've just never, I think it's just like little things like that I always notice. Okay, well, uh, it's official from this point moving forward in the podcast, it will be switched around, so. <laughs> okay. Leaving it is just so trolly, though, I like it. Like, okay. I wasn't saying it's a bad thing. You want me to leave it? <laughs> Go for it, man, I think it's great. And it's funny because I was being intentional about the order, too, <laughs> and I still <laughs> screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. great. <laughs> all right wait, so do you want to do that part again no it's okay we'll just roll with it <laughs> okay okay so did you ask the question right yes and... all right okay so I, I got tilted when i heard <laughs> all right okay uh blue uh okay because because and I, I knew this from a very young age i i don't like the idea of my opponent doing something that i don't like and then me being absolutely helpless to stop it okay i feel powerless i, I hate it i can't stand it all right okay and what do you feel about the uh, current state of affairs in blue and standard? It's just not a lot of powerful counterspells. I am so... Be- Salt doesn't even begin <laughs> to describe... All right, during every spoiler season since we started the channel, I've asked for counterspell to being standard again. Oh, really? Like, I, not, I mean, not that that would be fair, but at least in Mana League, like... Every counter is so bad. And even the freaking new one is like what confirmed suspicions is like six mana uh-huh. counter or like, f- I don't even remember. It's like it's really four expensive. mana it's counter. Four mana yeah. counter and like investigate a bunch of times. I don't care. Yeah. I want to counter a spell. I don't give a crap about investigating. Right. If I'm countering a spell, I don't need to investigate. It's gone. Yeah. Like I'm done. I'm, yeah. I, I can't stand it. Like cancel is like my least favorite card in the game uh-huh. because it set a precedent. That having a three mana double blue counter spell is okay. It's not okay. Yeah. Okay. Blue is a terrible color. The best blue card right now is freaking Reflector Mage. Yeah. Okay. Don't. I, I've just. I've had it. I've had it. Yeah. I understand that. Um. I'm kind of in that same boat with you. I'd like counter spells to get a little bit better. Um. I mean. I don't know. There was like that one from like Battle of Zendikar or Battle for Zendikar or Oath of the Gatewatch. It was like just a slightly larger mana leak. It was like. Oh, this is just like a crummy standard version of mana leak. Spell, spell shrivel. Spell shrivel. Right. Was that the, was that the three mana? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And then there's another yeah. one that like costs four, and then you have to pay four or six or some other garbage. Like it's it's bad. I don't freaking know. All I all I know is I saw Scatter the Winds, the awakened one, and uh-huh. I'm like, great, this is the new standard for the garbage I hate. Or you have to do overwhelming denial, and you have to like I don't know. You have to like put on a hat, and then and then you get surge. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, like overwhelming denial is a cool concept, right? But surge makes it terrible. Correct. Like <laughs> that's, that's correct. just not. You're not going to do that ever. Yeah, like, that's true. Such, oh. There's no good one mana 
spells. Well, you're right. It's worse than cancel because you now need a second card to enable yep. that. And so, like, Surge was barely playable with Goblin Bushwhacker. It's not going to be playable with a counter spell. No, no, like, it's putting a qualifier on a counter spell, which is meant to be your, like, oh crap button. Yeah. Like, that's what counter spells are for. Like, okay, I can't, I don't want to deal with this. Right. Like, putting a qualifier on that is terrible defeats the entire purpose yeah so i'm just no overwhelming denial i'm just overwhelmingly unhappy with overwhelmingly unhappy. overwhelmingly i think that maybe wizards just wanted all the awesome spells and permanents that people were excited to be playing to actually resolve what's been happening for a long time now is this slow progression towards creatures being more powerful than spells that's right uh it's just it's been happening for a long time I think the latest push towards that is no more four mana wraths. Uh, that that was the big one for me. Hmm. Is when they came out and they were like, "Nope, not doing that anymore." Uh, so you have you know your planar outburst, which is the standard wrath now at five. Right, languish is four, but it's not a wrath. Yeah, because I, I remember when they said that, I was like, "Well, damn, like <laughs> like crap, what am I going to do now?" Yeah, uh, it was after Manalik rotated out, and they're like, "Manalik was a mistake." Oh, and interesting. Like, no, it wasn't. But that was on, um, it was was either on Tumblr or a Reddit post, I don't remember. Uh, But they were like, yeah, Mana Leak was one of the cards that made the Delver deck that was in Innistrad, like, really good. Not like Delver or Ponder did that. Yeah, that's Uh, right. Ah, People didn't even really play Mana Leak. I mean, it was was definitely in the deck, but I wouldn't call it, like, overpowered in any fashion. Hmm. Uh, But there's, yeah, there's definitely this move away. And I think their way of, like, making that okay is by saying, like, oh, we're not going to do one mana mana dorks anymore. Which has, has also been a move that they've done is they're printing things like Beast Caller Savant and Rattleclaw Shaman or Rattleclaw Mystic, stuff like that, or the new uh, Deathcap Cultivator. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're printing these two mana, you know, mana rocks now. Yeah. I don't view that as a fair trade of creature quality versus spell quality. I just, I, I, I don't know. I'm not okay with, but yeah, that that's what's been happening is creatures are getting better. Uh, spells are getting worse, I think. And then they're even printing cards like, you know, Reality Smasher or, you know, Thought Not Seer. These cards that are outrageously powerful and are really anti-spell. <laughs> like They are really anti-spell. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's as a blue-white, like, because I'm, I'm a blue-white mage at heart. Like, uh-huh. I'm as worthless for days. It's not a good, it's standard is not a good time right now. That's it's funny. Just, it's real bad. I've been so salty against the Eldrazi that I haven't even played any Eldrazi. I have not played any <laughs> Reality Smashers. I haven't Reality Smashed anybody. I haven't thought knotted anyone. I mean, I've been smashed a couple of times. I've been Reality thought knotted. I don't see. I, I don't even know the cards. I mean, I've been world broken. I've just been. Yeah, I'm on. Right. I'm on that Gideon emblem smash you in for five flashing avacyn train all up in this yeah i mean these creatures are just so versatile now i mean like avacyn has like 19 abilities yeah and and she flips yeah she flips yeah that's like she's basically a planeswalker as far as i'm concerned and after she flips you can play another one and they're both good on the battlefield Yeah, like what the heck that's insane absolutely brutal yeah it's pretty nuts yeah avacyn's nuts just the creature improvement has gotten a little ridiculous for me or it's not even that. I guess it's the spell nerfing. Mm-hmm. That that's hurting me. I wouldn't mind the stronger creatures if we had an equivalent like spell. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of aggro, a lot of turning things sideways and sending them into the red zone. You know when a format is too creature based 
when most board states and games end up being so wide. Mm. Like, there's a lot of... Now, now, granted, there are decks like green-white tokens that are so hard to attrition out. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just... Even collected company decks can recover so fast. That's right. But we're still seeing a meta of just a ton of flood the board with stuff. Right. And it just control doesn't have the doesn't have what it needs it has to resort to things like secure the waste yeah you know stuff like that um the white black version is really the only one that i've seen that has found consistent success Mm -hmm. and that's because the deck is just white black good stuff right as much removal as you can find right good aldrazi and secure the waste that's right it's just like junk without the tarmogoyfs it's yeah it's it's very close to like junk good stuff yeah Yeah. so interesting it it is it still makes me sad (laughs) (laughs) I think that sometimes like when it's not like too blue or too control, it just allows maybe some of the newer players to just really get in and be like, oh, I've got a big creature and just like ride that one big creature to victory, which is a good feeling for for a magic player. Standard right now is definitely more new player friendly than it was when, for instance, when uh, Theros standard and like it was just mono black devotion, mono blue devotion. Yeah, that was brutal. It was. It was. And the game is... It's a lot more inviting now, which is interesting because standard is also very high skill right now mm-hmm. because there are so many viable mid-range strategies that it's it takes it takes a lot to be good at standard right now. But it it is. It's really inviting. Like you're not going to see these decks that, you know, oppress you to the point where, you know, you can't do anything like you're still going to be able to play permanence. It's just they play permanence, too. Like that's that's what's happening now. Right. Wedge, question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be? Oh, this is like one of my most popular stream questions too. Okay, I've again this is a question I've been asked asked before. Fundamentally, I would change nothing. Okay. Because I'd be worried that anything I would change would ruin magic. Okay. Like, regardless of how much people are upset about random things that happen, this game has been growing for twenty year over twenty years, and more people are playing it every day. And even with problems that we have, everything is still like pretty good. Yeah. Right. Like they clearly know what they're doing because the game just won't stop growing. Like it's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fundamentally, I would change nothing on a smaller scale. I would get rid of the mythic rarity again. Huh? Yep. Or if they kept it, only use it for limited bombs. Interesting. Yeah. Mainly because I think a lot of the issues that we see with staples being really expensive, uh, especially like the mythic staples are just they're just they're too much money. Right. Like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't think it's, I don't think the mythic rarity is necessary unless your sole reason for its existence is for limited play, Hmm. which I don't think is currently true. But that's probably the only big change I would make because everything else I feel like is either too little or it would be subjective. It might not be good for the whole game. Like, the way I think about it is like, if I changed anything, I feel like I would anger more people than I would help. Yeah. Like I took basically a, I took like a macro view uh-huh. with this question. Okay. I'm just too scared, man. I'm too scared. <laughs> You're afraid of that Twitch chat. Oh God, stop. <laughs> if you say their name three times, they'll show up. Question number three. Wedge, if you could give something to every magic player, what would it be? <sighs> uh, okay. I have a first and a second. Okay. Like I, I have two options. The first one, which I think is really cool, would be a framed uh, high-quality artist print of their favorite magic artwork. Ooh. That's something I don't think... I think that's one of those things that would make a really good like Christmas-type present, where it's not something you would think to buy yourself, but you would want it. Okay, yeah. Right? So I would give that, because I think that's a freaking good idea. Which one would you get for yourself? Well, my favorite card is um, Ixidor Reality Sculptor. Okay. 
say, a legend from the set Onslaught, and he's my favorite lore character of all time. Uh-huh. And he's really bad. As a card. He's really bad. He's, he's terrible, but he's incredibly powerful. Oh, okay. So he makes your video? Wow. No. <laughs> he will never, ever be on that. He's not that bad. <laughs> no, he, he buffs morphed creatures. Okay. Like, he, he's a morph lord, is his thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's not very good. Uh, but probably probably him. Uh, Kev Walker did that print. Yeah, I've been getting more into art recently, like magic artwork. And it got it's so pretty. So I think that, that that would be my first choice was high quality framed artist print, which I think everyone would appreciate. Okay. Because it's the, you know, the card they want. The second one, which is more practical, is 185 KMC Hypermat sleeves. Okay. Specifically that number because 60 for a 60 card deck, 15 for the sideboard, then 100 for a commander deck, 10 for commander sideboard. Oh, Because okay. everybody needs sleeves. Okay. See, I went with practicality. Okay. All right. I like that a lot. And what color would the sleeves be? Black. Black. Unless somebody specifically asked for pink and then they can have it. And then they can have that. Yeah. I like pink sleeves. Okay. I love it. All right. I actually got DQ'd from a Grand Prix for using pink sleeves once. Wait, what? Yeah. So uh, if you're using double face cards, never, ever, ever, ever use pink dragon shield sleeves. Oh, no. And I didn't know this. I'd been testing this deck for like weeks. And this was during original Innistrad block. Uh, I was playing a deck with Huntmaster of the Fells in it. And I was in round three. It was 2-0. And the guy I was playing against, like it's game three. I'm about to beat his face in with three Inferno Titans. Like, this guy was dead next turn. Yeah. He calls Judge. Doesn't tell me anything. Calls Judge. Judge comes over. And he's like, I can see the top card of his deck. Like, to me. This is game three. We've been playing for, like, 35 minutes. Oh, my gosh. I didn't notice this at all. I had no idea. And he's like, I can see the top of his deck. And so, like, sure enough, they take the card, like, put it under, like, the light at the right you know, angle and bam, there's the backside of my hunt master, the fells. I had no idea. I've been using pink dragon shield sleeves for like a decade. Uh-huh. Right? I had no idea. And then, so he, the judge like calls the head judge. They come over and I'm kicked out <laughs> or not, not kicked out, but I'm DQ'd. What? Right away. Yep. Wait, you couldn't just get like a game loss. No, no straight to DQ. What? I had no game warning, no game loss, nothing. I was done. Wow, they just, you would have been like, dude, I'll walk over there to a vendor right now and just pick up some black sleeves. Yeah, no. Oh, nope. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was cheating, I guess. But they could, I mean, at least, I mean, these days you hear them talk about like intent. Like, what? Yeah. I, I, I was so, I didn't even question. I, I was so upset. Like, I was so floored that I just like left. Like, well, not, not the event. Like, I just, I just walked away. Like I lost it. I I couldn't handle it. Oh my goodness. I was really I was really upset. That's uh, really it, it's surprising. not a huge deal. Like that wasn't like I played in the main event, but it wasn't the main reason we went there. Mm-hmm. Like it was just to have fun. It ended up being fine. Uh because I was with a bunch of my friends. So it wasn't a huge deal. Uh-huh. But it was just like, do not use pink dragon shields on double-sided cards. Yeah, sometimes I even kind of like look at some of the lighter colored sleeves from like, you know, like Ultra Pro or something, like Pro Matte ones, and like they're kind of transparent, and I always kind of I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can use these. And See, so, I never know what when I was play when I was play testing a lot. It was all in a college dorm room, 
Uh, and all of our windows were always shut. Like we never had really heavy lighting on anything. I never, I never cared. I've been using, again, I bought sealed factory boxes of pink dragon shield, like for years, uh-huh. <laughs> That's all I used. And then it was, yeah, it was very, yeah. So never, ever use, never. So now I don't, I don't play with dragon shields at all because I feel like they've betrayed me. Oh no. <laughs> so now it's just KMC hypermat. Yeah, same here. Uh, Those are the ones that I use as well. And I use like black or brown or purple. They feel so good. Wow, amazing. Oh my gosh, that's too <laughs> funny. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry you got DQ'd. Oh no, my no, gosh. It's, it's, it's honestly totally fine. Like I was never a bad, I was, I was annoyed that he didn't bring it up sooner. Like I wish I would have just known. Like there's like if he noticed on the turn before he dies in game three, really? That's when, I've been drawing hot masters all day. Like I have four of them in the deck, like. Yeah, it was going to be on the top of my library. I don't know. Seems a little convenient, but I honestly don't care. It was, it was a random Grand Prix. Like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't going to like even day two. Like, not now. Probably not. <laughs> okay, it's <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay, Wedge. Next question, number four. What do you see in the future of Magic: The Gathering? <sighs> Man, do you understand how heavy of a question this is? Yes. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's okay, why good. I'm asking them. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Um. All right. Okay. I'm. I'm gonna go a couple. A couple different routes because that's what I do with every question. Apparently. Okay. I think there's going to be a fundamental focus on revamping Magic Online. Uh huh. I don't mean right now, and I don't even mean in like a year or two years. I mean like five years, ten years. I don't know how long it's gonna take, but at some point, I guarantee you there will be a restructuring of the entire client, the entire department. They're gonna scrap it down and build a new one. They have to at some point. Right now, they're applying Band-Aids, which is fine for now because like, I play Magic Online. Like You can still play the game. But because of you know the recent Pay the Pros thing and they're clearly trying to push Magic more into the spotlight, there's only so much stuff like you know a higher pay, like pay pool, stuff like that. There's only so much stuff like that can do if you're trying to reach a group of people who live primarily on the computer Mm -hmm. there's just at some point you have to do something else you have to and it's magic has pushed its boundaries so far with paper gameplay it's gotten so big just by paper no other game has done what magic's done that's right on paper it's just they've never done it you know hearthstone is already bigger than magic granted that's a blizzard thing so it was going to be anyway Mm -hmm. but you have you know magic pros going to hearthstone or streaming it or casting it And I think if Magic wants a real presence, if it wants to fight for these viewers, it needs to be digital in some important capacity. Magic Online cannot just be what you do when you're not at FNM or what you do when you're not at the GP. It has to be alongside Paper Magic in intensity and importance. And right now it's not. So I that's what I expect based on what has happened over the last few months. I expect that in the next like half decade at some point, I feel like they'll have to do that. Beyond that, I'm not really sure. I, I think I'm actually overall, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the future of Magic because we see uh, now we're going we're going to Kaladesh, which is an awesome Indian plane. We have characters who have different sexual orientations, different races. Uh, they're becoming very inclusive. And I think that that's them reacting to their community more and more. Mm-hmm. And I expect that to continue in the future. Mm-hmm in a way that will make the game even better. It'll almost be like, you know, Watsy and us are sort of like, you know, me and my viewers where it's, we're on equal playing field, mm-hmm. right? 
which is uh, the reason I bring this up is because Plane Chase Anthologies, which is coming out in November, that means so much more than just what it is as a product. Yeah. Plane Chase Anthologies means that Wizards is clearly listening. Like Wizards clearly listened to the community. There's no way Wizards was like, you know what? Plane Chase Anthologies is going to make money. There's no way they would do that without the community being like, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. It just wouldn't happen, right? Like, yeah. There's a reason they stopped making Plane Chase. So stuff like that, that's a sign to me. Like that's a signal to me. And stuff like, you know, um, Alicia, like one of the cons having this backstory she did or Narset. Right. All this pushes towards community inclusion in so many different ways. So I expect, and I, I'm really excited about it in general. I think Wizards is becoming more, I don't want to say human, but they are. I think they're becoming more relatable and more connected with the community, even with crazy stuff like the pay the pro thing. I mean, on a on a macro level, I feel like it's going to get better over time because the reactions to those things are always so positive. Mm-hmm. You know, when they actually do something like Plane Chaser, create in- compelling stories about characters that, you know, help include more minority groups like that. That's just great. And they're doing that now more than ever. If you look in the past, they like never did stuff like that. Right. But no, I, I have a really good feeling about Wizards as a company in terms of their relation with the community. And I think that's going to lead to more awesome storylines and plot lines and more inclusivity and just better product. I think as the years go on, we'll have more and more of a say because they, again, clearly like they're, do- they're already starting to listen. And I only see that getting better. And I expect at some point that plus the pressure from esports will lead to new Magic Online. And that's what I believe the future of Magic is. Yeah. Do you think five to 10 years is going to be a little bit uh, too long? Um, I do. But that's, I think, me being realistic for the way a corporation works. Got it. Like, I, I do believe that it would be too long. But I believe that that's realistic for them actually, like for the realism of them, you know, whoever makes that decision, whoever whoever's the one who or the group that makes the decision to like fundamentally change magic online. These people are not the people, not the community team that we talked to on Twitter or Reddit. These people are not dedicated magic players. They can't be right. Like I've heard from a few people at wizards who uh, are like former programmers who would love to do more stuff, but they can't Hmm. like, they're just not allowed or, you know, they have a plan, like they do what they're told, right? Like, what do they, it's their job, right? You know, they're going to do what Wizards tells them to do or what Hasbro tells them to do. So I guess we're just waiting for somebody who realizes that this change needs to be made to be in power or something like that, which I expect will take five to 10 years (laughs) for the entire process to happen. Yeah. (laughs) I would like to be more optimistic. But when it comes to like business sense like that, there's a you got to be more realistic than optimistic. Yeah, I understand. I'm rooting for it. Yeah, I think we're all rooting for it. We're all rooting for it. I mean, gosh, I mean, like E3 is going on right now. I mean, there's like so many new video games coming out and it seems like each of those games take like maybe two, three years to develop. It's just like, why? Why can't we just get... It's just a rules engine. It's just a graphics engine. Like we've begun the first steps toward virtual reality. Yeah. Like that's the world we live in. A Magic Online updated client can exist <laughs> like that's it true it can happen like that's it true. just can so yeah. it's yeah they'll, they'll they'll have to catch up eventually because if they don't there's going to be a problem you know wizards just needs to take this huge plunge into like future future technology if wizards was just like 
okay, guess what? The next client of like Magic Online is going to be all VR. Like you can only play it if you're on VR. There's going to be a ton of people who love VR who's never like even heard of Magic who's going to be like, dude, I'm so down for this game now. And oh God, it'd be like Yu-Gi-Oh in real life, but it would be insane. Oh, Magic. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd buy that. <laughs> We'd all buy that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would hurt booster sales though. Oh, no. Maybe that's what they're... I mean, they they control them. Like they know what's good for them money-wise, right? Mm-hmm. So... They're making the right financial decisions. And if that's how it's going to be, then they're like, they're always going to do what's right for them financially, always. So the decisions they're making, while we see them as not good, clearly are working. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing them. Exactly. So what are you going to do? Wedge, do you have any asks or requests of the audience? Like, where can they find you on social media, etc.? Hmm. I wish I could virtually give candy to get people to follow me on Twitter. Okay. Uh, which which you can do at the Manosaurus twitter.com slash the Manosaurus. Please follow me. I uh, you know post funny things sometimes. Sometimes I'm really corny. Just I, I want more Twitter followers so I can feel like people love me. Okay. <laughs> oh God. The the main place to find me is on YouTube though. YouTube.com slash the Manosaurus. You can see you go there, see all our videos, me yelling a lot. It's great. Uh, you'll love it. That's basically the same thing for Twitch, which is also just twitch.tv slash the Manosaurus. Just pick a website and just do dot whatever slash the Manosaurus. And I'm probably there. Uh, although I don't really understand Instagram or how that works. Okay. <laughs> I know nothing about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm, I'm very I'm very active on social media. So you want to talk to me? I'm around. Awesome. And we will have all of these links in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org and just search for hashtag Wedge. Um, and also, Wedge, you've also got a Patreon page. Yeah, we do. Uh, currently, I'm, I'm going to say this so casually, but it's heavy. Currently, the Patreon page is the reason why I can do this. So uh, Patreon's pretty, it's pretty good. So just patreon.com slash the mana source. It helps me make a lot of content. I like to think our content is, is of high quality. So if you check out our channel and like what you see, you know, throwing a dollar at us per month can, you know, help me buy ramen and not die. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, you you need to change that tagline that you have on Patreon is like, throw a dollar ramen so I don't die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it's if I don't, I'll I'll die eventually. Okay, like, I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> but yes, um, for the listening audience right now, um, Wedge and the Matasaurus, I mean, Wedge is just so awesome. Please, if you enjoy his content, please go on to Patreon and support Wedge, support the Matasaurus. There's so many amazing things that have been created, and there's going to be so many more amazing things to come. And Wedge, I really appreciate everything that you've done for the online community, everything that you've done for the magic community. Thank you so much. Your energy on YouTube is incredibly inspiring. You're so generous and you have so much heart and you just give so much heart as well. You've cultivated, as we've heard in this interview, a really beautiful space for people to go and enjoy and feel uplifted and have a lot of fun. I have certainly learned a lot from your videos. And so thank you so much. I just really wanted to acknowledge you for that. Thanks. No, that that means a lot. That's basically why I'm here. That's kind of why I do what I do. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Wedge. And I really appreciate you for being on Kitchen Table Magic. Thanks a lot. No, it was it was great to be here. I'm glad you're doing this podcast. Listen, viewers, let me be real with you. I've heard some of the guests that are going to be on here and just listen to all the episodes, okay? Because they're they're so much better than me. All right, just just look at me <laughs> as a floor, okay? <laughs> and then all of them, they're all really great. So thank you again for bringing me on, and you're all amazing. 
I hope everyone enjoyed listening to Wedge. Please go say hi to him on Twitter at the Manasaurus, and of course, go check out his YouTube videos on his channel, the Manasaurus. Wedge also streams on Twitch.tv/theManasaurus, and he's also on Facebook with the same username, the Manasaurus. Please consider supporting Wedge on Patreon.com/theManasaurus. Wedge puts so much of his heart and soul into fostering the community that we all know and love. Wedge also plays in the Community Super League every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitch.tv/magic. Please go give him and the professor some love in the Twitch chat. All of the links will be in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. Just search for episode four with Wedge. Coming up in the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. Let's see. There is a local player by the name of Greg Mitchell who is synonymous for playing as few cards printed in the English language as possible. So all of his cards are Russian or Korean or uh, traditional Chinese. Uh, he steers away from Japanese, but he likes T Chinese, S Chinese, Russian, and, and Korean magic cards. Those are like, he likes to make sure that his decks match. And I walk over to his table because his opponent called for a judge and his opponent was on goblins. They were playing Legacy at the time. And uh, Greg was playing Ad Nauseam Tendrils, which is a storm deck in Legacy. And the problem with this is that his opponent was fresh, new at Legacy, was playing kind of like a, a, a budgety goblin deck, didn't have Rishan imports, didn't have Wastelands. He just kind of put down a lot of goblins and Stompy to you really fast. So he's flipping through this library, has literally no idea what this deck does, what any of these cards do, and I had to without being biased in this game and giving him any outside assistance, I had to kind of give him a brief rundown of every single card in Greg Mitchell's deck without giving him, without it being slow play. So it was kind of, that one makes mana, that one tutors for something, that one discards something for your hand, that one does this, that one does, and just going through and his, he, he just had this look on his face that was just, it was a combination of confused and overwhelmed and slightly frustrated, where he was just like, I'm just going to take that one, that one, and that one, and just be done with it. Yeah, I, unfortunately, Greg still had the right pieces in the deck to be able to combo off and kill him. It's Chris Furterer, a judge in the Seattle area that we all know and love. Chris loves all kinds of gaming and has a deep knowledge of magic. We talk about a super fun stream on Twitch, superfluous rhetoric, playing legacy, and more, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. Thanks so much for listening to the first few episodes on Season 1 of Kitchen Table Magic. All of the show notes for each episode is at kitchentablemagic.org. Please follow us on Twitter at KTM Podcast. To find us on Facebook, just search for Kitchen Table Magic Podcast in the search bar. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. Thank you so much. Also, we don't really have any sponsors for the show, but like in true magic fashion, I did sell some magic cards in order to fund this little project of mine. So today's episode is brought to you by Snapcaster Mage. I sold an extra playset of uh, my Snapcaster Mages that I had to a buddy of mine, and it really made me think about how great Snapcaster Mage is as a creature. You can flash him in for just the low, low cost of one and a blue, and he gives the spells in your graveyard flashback, so that's great. I mean, you could do combat tricks, counter spells, cryptic command, lightning bolt. Everyone loves bolt, snap bolt. Um, and even sometimes as a tempo play, attacking for two can just win you the game. So anyways, this episode is brought to you by Snapcaster Mage. Thanks. Thanks.